Welcome to Compared to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. But God, in His grace, He showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free, too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you need to know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four elementary age kids. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and a blogger at comparedtowho.me. And you just may have seen my epic bake fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and tell a friend about it. Hello and welcome to episode four of Compared to Who, the podcast. I am so glad that you're joining us today. My name is Heather Creekmore and today we're going to talk about a topic that's near and dear to my heart. New year, new you. We're going to rephrase it a little bit though. My question for you today is, it's a new year, do you need a new you? I'm recording this episode at the beginning of January of another new year. And I'm thinking about how funny it is that at the beginning of every single new year, many of us, dare I say most of us, engage in the same rituals. We decide we're going to make a change. In fact, at the beginning of my book, I start with this funny little story from the Today Show. It happened a few years ago, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but I was watching the show and Savannah was interviewing a health and fitness expert and asking her the million dollar question, what can I do if I want to meet my health and fitness goals this year? Well, the health and fitness expert turned to Savannah and essentially said something like, well, Savannah... If people want to meet their goals this year, they should eat right and exercise. And I mean, it sounds so silly. It's so foolish. Who among us has not heard that we need to eat right and exercise? I mean, it's advice that we know we've heard a zillion times. And yet, we still think there's a silver bullet out there. We still tune into the Today Show hoping that Savannah's guest is going to tell us the miracle cure, the one that'll last forever and ever. Can I be honest with you? I love the new year because I love the hope for new possibilities that it brings. I love the chance for a fresh start. But the beginning of every new year is also a time when my body image idol rears its ugly head again. It flares up and it tells me that this is the year that I can reinvent myself. I can become more beautiful and then I'll enjoy life because of how I look. And I'm tempted to go all in. Too far in, in fact. You see, I think it's okay for us to resolve to get healthier and stop any out-of-control or poor eating habits that may have consumed us over the holidays. But what happens for most of us is the first week of January, we spend thinking about and plotting how we're going to get hot this year. And then, by about the second week of February, we get frustrated. We ditch the diet and gym routine, and we settle back into a state where we're just unhappy with our body but feeling helpless to do anything about it. So in today's show, I'm going to talk about a couple things. First of all, I want to talk about this concept of reinvention. Do we really need to reinvent ourselves? Second, let's talk about how you can diet and exercise without crossing the line into body image obsession and body image idolatry. Then we're going to talk about the importance of defeating that body image idol before you start to chase your fitness, diet, and health goals. 
And finally, we're going to close today's show by talking about the best way for you to meet your goals without feeling like you have to be a new you this year. I want to start by talking about this concept of reinvention. It feels like reinvention is almost a mandate for women in our culture especially. If you don't like who you are, how you look, you reinvent yourself. If you were previously unsuccessful, you suddenly become successful. You do something different to make yourself different. You become a new you. True story. I decided to reinvent my Myself many years ago. Okay, honestly, it was between the sixth and the seventh grade. See, I was a shy, too quiet girl in sixth grade. In fact, I was frequently scolded in class because I didn't answer audibly enough when the teacher called on me. And I resolved that when I went to my new school in seventh grade, I would be different. I was going to be voted most likely to be a cheerleader and no longer be voted most likely to live alone with 20 cats. And it worked. A little. But the truth is, it was the same old me at that new school. And though I tried really hard to turn up my volume and be louder and be different, all those feelings of anxiety that swirled inside me when it was my turn to speak, they didn't just disappear because I wanted them to. Culturally, culturally, we have a love affair with the concept of self-reinvention, and every January, marketers capitalize on that. They show us how to get a new body, new habits, new clothes, better relationships, even a better television set to watch the big game next month. And we bite because, hey, who doesn't want to be better? As a Christ follower, I see our desire for reinvention as something that is both innately healthy and potentially destructive. You see, our hearts are discontent in their current sinful condition, and they long for something more. We crave sanctification just as we crave salvation. We long for the perfect while understanding that the perfect can't be attained this side of eternity. At the same time, our compulsive need for makeovers can take us on short trips to crazy land. Am I right? I mean, how many years in a row can you chant, New year, new you, without recognizing that you are a whole lot still the same that you were last year. What's that definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and again and expecting different results? Friends, as a culture, we're all a little insane, aren't we? Self-reinvention is like being on a treadmill that never stops. It's closely connected to that body image idol that we talked about in episode two of this podcast. We can keep reinventing and changing and trying to be better, or in some cases, trying to be something we aren't, and we never find a place of peace and rest that comes from rooting our identity in Jesus Christ alone. I saw a great example of this on TV a few years ago. Some former celebrity turned interior designer, I had never seen her before, but she came on TV and she's like, I'm back! We women have to reinvent ourselves every year. That's just the way it goes. But now I'm back. Isn't it marvelous? I look different. I feel different. I'm back. And apparently she had a new body, new hair, and a new job. And I understood her words. I mean, for a long time, I did believe that reinvention was necessary, if not a mandatory part of a woman's life. Seventh grade wasn't the only time in my life I tried to reinvent myself. After college graduation, I moved to Washington, D.C. And to me, it was a fresh start. It was another chance for reinvention. Perhaps, finally, I'd be the serious career girl type now that I had my first real job. Or maybe I'd just be the thin one, the one who had so many men pursuing her that she couldn't keep track of them all. Reinvention grated on me. In fact, no matter how hard I tried to be the new me, somehow I always boomeranged right back to the old me. Maybe you can relate. 
I kind of felt like Popeye. Some of you are old enough to remember the old Popeye cartoons. And he always said, I am who I am. And I'm not very good at imitating him. But but that's how I felt. I can never reinvent myself because the old me was always right there, glaringly loud, reminding me of the truth of who I really am. So why does the concept of reinvention, the chance to change, tighten, firm, slim, lighten, erase, cover, and hide, why does that lull us into its sticky web? Well, I think it has to do with an understanding of our value. You see, I wonder if these concepts of invention and reinvention actually negate our value in ways that we've never stopped to consider. Recently, I read a fabulous article on how one of the biggest issues with the transgender movement is the way it subtly redefines a woman by how her outsides appear. The internal composition of one's chromosomes don't matter if one has the right parts installed and the right clothing and one can use the women's restroom. Now anyone can be a woman if they reinvent themselves as such, right? That's what this movement would assert, at least. But I have to reject this proposition. As a Christian, I don't believe just anyone can decide to be a woman. I believe that God created us as male or female. A woman is not an invention. She is a creation. But yet, I wonder how close I come to the same rejection of my own unique purpose in creation when I pursue personal reinvention. You see, what's the main difference between an invention and a creation? I think it boils down to uniqueness. Something created is unique, like a piece of art or a brilliant symphony piece. Creations can be copied, but they can't be replicated. They stand apart. Their special nature goes unquestioned. There's a certain type of brilliance that goes into their making. No one can simply make another one. Take the Mona Lisa, for example. Though other artists have painted women's portraits, and likely others have tried to repaint the mysteriously smiling woman herself, they can't stand up to the original creation. It's a one of a kind. Invention, on the other hand, commonly refers to technologies or innovations, like the light bulb, for example. Thomas Edison tried a bazillion times to figure out how to create artificial light, and eventually he did it. But since then, many other men have replicated that invention and even improved upon it. Thank goodness. His invention has value, of course, but it's not a creation. It can be replicated and improved. Another distinction between invention and creation, creation cannot be replaced. When an animal species goes extinct, We don't get to make more of it. I mean, well, they tried on Jurassic Park, but look how that turned out. Scientists dabble in genetic modification and engineering and everything from GMOs in our food to sex changes in our hospitals. But the more we try to blend invention and creation, the less healthy our world becomes because creation simply can't be remade. It wasn't designed that way. So do women need to reinvent themselves? Well, here's the truth. We women suffer the bombardment of messages as to how we can be prettier, thinner, leaner, more efficient, healthier, smarter, and of course, flawless. Marketing to women centralizes on the premise that women desire self-improvement, that we need it. But now I see how all of this reinvention propaganda dismisses who we are as created beings. Is the effort to be different, look different, reinvent ourselves just a futile struggle against the way we were created? Maybe God wanted me to have a flat chest thighs that touch, and wrinkles on my forehead because I raise my eyebrows when I strain to see, why wouldn't that be okay? Why does my definition of beauty not match that of my creator? Whenever I'm tempted to question how God made me, I think of Nick Vujovic. God created him without arms or legs. He was actually born that way. Yet he has a powerful global ministry where he preaches the gospel to hundreds of thousands of people every year. Instead of devoting his life to finding the finest prosthetics in the world so he could look more like the rest of us, he goes forward in ministry with the body that God gave him. 
he follows the 1 Corinthians 6.20 charge to glorify God with his body instead of using his body to bring glory to himself. And I'm in awe of him. I mean, see, part of our body image struggle, part of our temptation to bow to the body image idol and serve it before we serve God always boils down to glory. Where I find myself perpetually trapped is in my inclination towards misplacing glory. Romans 8 explains it really well. We the creation groan for redemption. We're longing for freedom from bondage. Daily we battle the frustration between who we are here and who we want to be. We search in vain for the wrong glory. I convince myself that I'll find satisfaction I'll find more glory if I look better. Mistakenly, I believe that receiving this type of glory will pacify my soul, but it won't. My real hunger lies deeper than compliments or praise for my physical appearance can satisfy. This longing really is for future glory, the kind that can only be experienced in heaven. When I get caught up in reinvention, I forget who it is that I am to glorify. I don't deal rightly with my groaning for more. And rather than rest, content in who my creator made me to be, knowing that he's physically given me everything I need to accomplish his purpose for my life, I strive to be someone worthy of praise or worthy of more praise. I work hard to make much of myself. Am I the only one who does this? So how do I get free? Well, I think first of all, we have to recognize that body image idols trap. You see, when I stress over my appearance, when it takes me 30 minutes to pick out my clothes for the day, or when I get caught up in discontent because of unmet weight loss or exercise goals, I know that I cross the line. I teeter towards idolatry, hoping to capture more glory for me. I'm making much of myself and what I desire to look like instead of how I can best serve and glorify God. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think you have to throw away your makeup or stop highlighting your hair. I don't believe we have to make ourselves unattractive to bring glory to the Father. We have freedom in the Spirit to express ourselves as long as our heart's motivation is not to capture glory for ourselves. But what's the motivation of our hearts as we pursue beauty at any level? Have we taken the natural and healthy desire we have as women to make things beautiful and maybe replaced it with an unhealthy desire to bring glory and worship to ourselves? That's something I hope you'll take time and consider today. The second point I promised we talk about is how you can diet and exercise without crossing the line into body image obsession and idolatry. To do it, you use this principle. Why are you doing it? Not all of our reasons for getting healthy are idolatrous. I'll be honest with you. I have an autoimmune disease. I've had it for a few years now, and I've tried a variety of things to cure it. But I know this year, I'm going to have to be more radical in my diet choices if I want to feel well. I'm going to have to follow an autoimmune protocol, which means I can't eat a lot of things. And my struggle is to not make this a diet. My goal can't be to lose weight and then go back to life as normal eating chocolate every afternoon. I know I have to change my lifestyle and my eating habits so that this disease doesn't progress. It's already taken a toll on my life. It's affected my energy and my ability to do what I think God's called me to do. So I know for the sake of my health and living out God's purpose, I have to diet. But maybe you're not in as extreme a place as I am. Maybe you have 10 or 20 so-called vanity pounds you want to lose. Or maybe it's the baby weight and your baby is 10. Hear me when I say that it's not sinful to diet and exercise. It's not wrong to take care of your body and try to lose weight. I just ask that you do one test for me to keep you out of body image obsession and idolatry. This test is what I call the treasure test. So Matthew 6, 21 says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. I think what we get messed up when it comes to New Year's resolutions, dieting, and exercise is that we misplace our treasure. We make our diet and exercise goals our primary objectives in life. You can find out what your treasure is 
by looking at where you spend your money and time. When our treasure isn't God's kingdom, it's impossible for God to bless our efforts because we're sowing our treasure into selfish pursuits. What does this mean? It means that if you spend more money on the nail salon, gym memberships, designer clothes, and makeup than you'd ever consider tithing at your church, you probably have a misplaced treasure problem. If you'd never miss your spin class, but church or your church small group attendance is kind of hit or miss, then you may have a misplaced treasure problem. If you can wake up for your workout, but can't seem to squeeze in time during the day to read the Bible, then you have a misplaced treasure problem. The amazing things, friends, as I've experienced it, is when we get our priorities right, when we treasure the right stuff, we have more time for those secondary things. But when we miss what's important, it all seems to go awry. So how do you diet and exercise without crossing the line into idolatry or body image obsession? I think you just keep an eye on your treasure. Find a friend, an accountability partner. Help each other keep your priorities straight. It's amazing what God can do and how he can help us in our weight loss and exercise goals when we stop making them idols. And this is why I think it's really important to defeat that body image idol before you start your new fitness or diet plan this year. We're going to talk about that more right after this break. image been bogging you down for too long, it's time to get free. My friend, go to comparetohu.me, take your free body image awareness quiz. You will learn amazing things. You'll get your results right away. And I think you'll have fun too, because I mean, who doesn't love to take quizzes? Go to comparetohu.me. There's lots of great resources on that site, articles about body image and comparison and how you can find freedom through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Check it out today. Right after this episode, of course. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So how do you defeat that body image idol before you embark on your new weight loss or fitness plan? Well, first you have to repent for the idolatry. I hope you'll go listen to episode two if this all sounds like a foreign language to you, because in that episode I explain exactly what this idol is and how to be free from it. But here's the Cliff Notes version. First you pray. You tell God you're sorry that you've made beauty, dieting, fitness, a better body. You're sorry that you've made them all idols. And you ask him to forgive you and help you to correct your heart and your mind. You might have to pray this prayer every day. You may have to pray it every time you see a picture on Pinterest that makes you feel like you need to speed up your weight loss efforts. Or each time you see someone at the gym who makes you want to stay at the gym working out way longer than you should. Keep surrendering this idol to him. Don't let it get a grip on your life. And then, with this idol in check, 
take a reasonable and healthy approach to meeting your health goals. This segues nicely into the final topic we're going to cover on today's show. That is, how can you meet your goals without feeling like you have to reinvent yourself this year? Can you make changes in your life without that drive to be a new you? I think you can. And let me surprise you with something maybe. It's not about balance. You see, a lot of times people ask me how to stay balanced. They want to know how to balance their health goals with the rest of their lives or how to be balanced in diet and exercise so they don't slip into obsession. But friends, I don't think balance is a biblical principle. I don't think it's something we should pursue. Okay, some of you are thinking, whoa, what? I've never heard this before, but let me explain. Balance is an Eastern religion principle. The yin and the yang, harmony in nature. But our God, the God of the Bible, He's a God of order. Applying this to our body image and health goals means that we do first things first. We don't misplace our treasure and we live our lives in such a way where we're able to keep our priorities straight. The best way for you to meet your goals without feeling like you have to be a new you this year is to remember these three things. First, you are a new you. Okay, not because of what you may accomplish in personal transformation this year, or what you accomplished last year, you're a new you because Jesus made those of us who turn to him and confess him as savior, new creations. We are made new. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is the best kind of transformation available. If you haven't experienced it, I want you to write me and I'll tell you more how Jesus can transform your life. I would love to do that. But second, remind yourself that you are loved accepted and enough just as you are today only because of and through Jesus. Trying to reinvent ourselves by ourselves is soul draining. Jesus is the only one with the power to help us change. And I've found when our desire to change comes from a desire to worship and serve him, it's a whole lot easier than when our desire to change comes because we subconsciously want more love, acceptance, or even glory for ourselves. Let Jesus help. He will be faithful. And finally, number three, have the right goal. I know from experience that a diet won't solve the weight problem permanently. Diets end. And even if you experience some success, it's rarely permanent and lasting change. There's all kind of data out there on this, and you probably already know it. You probably don't want to hear me say that today because you want the diet to work this time. You want this to be your year. And it's it's like chasing a unicorn, friends. We're looking for freedom in the wrong place. You see, here's something I want you to know. Your diets haven't failed in the past because you're weak. Your diets haven't failed in the past. Your fitness programs haven't not worked in the past because you're no good or because you're undisciplined or because you're a loser. They haven't worked in the past because... They've had the wrong goal. You see, the real key to changing our habits and really to changing who we are or who we become is found in what an old theologian, a guy named Dr. Thomas Chalmers, calls the expulsive power of a greater affection. The premise is that you have to find something you love more than that thing you're addicted to, and your new love will help you conquer your addiction to the old. So friends, if lose weight is the first thing you wrote down for your news resolution, could it be that perhaps you're addicted to food? That you have, have a love for food that drives you to eat more than you should or to turn to food for comfort or entertainment or relaxation? Are you using food in the wrong way? And if you are, 
If that addiction to food is what drives you, simply losing the weight will not be enough to break that addiction. Instead, what you need to do, friend, is find a better place to be satisfied. Set your focus on Jesus, who loves you beyond comprehension, no matter what the scale says about you, no matter what the mirror says about you. He loves you just the way you are today, and he'll love you 10, 20, 70, 100 pounds from now, just the same. But set your focus on him. And break that food addiction or or whatever your addiction may be by finding the expulsive power of a greater affection. Make Jesus your greater affection and allow his love for you to radically change your heart. I believe that Jesus will help you get healthier physically as well once you turn your affection and your attention towards him. Well, I love to end every show with a reader question, and today's question is really great, and it goes right along with what we've been talking about here today with New Year's resolutions and change and dieting and exercise, and so here goes. It says, Dear Heather, I've been listening to your stuff and trying to change my treasure and defeat my body image idol, but I'm afraid. Honestly, I'm afraid if I don't spend so much time thinking about diets and exercise, I'll get fat. How do I let go of this fear? Well, that's a great question, and it's one that I've lived. Okay, so my story is I taught spinning in gyms for over a decade, and then God asked me to quit, to give up the gym. Now, at the same time, I had noticed I was having health issues. Teaching aerobics for more than a decade had taken a toll of my adrenal glands. I had over-exercised for years, and it had started to catch up with me, and I was so exhausted to the point where I would get home from teaching a class, and I would have to take two or three naps a day just to kind of compensate for what I had done with my body in that one hour class every morning. But still, even though I felt it, still, when God told me to quit the gym, my first thought, although I didn't say it out loud, was, great, now I'm going to gain weight. And if I'm really honest, I didn't even just quit the gym like God told me. I wasn't obedient. Instead, I asked for a leave of absence because the thought of not having that cushion, not having that crutch of being able to burn off whatever I ate a couple times a week, it was frightening. But eventually, I did obey what God asked, and I quit fully. Oh, friends, it was a leap of faith. So here's what I realized through that experience, and and more to your question. What if I get fat? Well, that question reveals our hearts in a not pretty way. When I'm asking that, I'm saying a lot about what I believe in, really what I treasure. I think hidden in those words is an assumption that my value is connected to my weight and that maybe I'd be less valuable if I weighed too much. It also reveals what I really care about, right? Do I care about being obedient to God and how I look to Him or do I care more about how I look to others? Oh, I wish it wasn't the case. But when we obsess over the what if I look different question, revealing that the body image idol is still alive and well and has a grip on our hearts. So my best advice, friend, is defeat the idol. Practice every day by repenting and reminding yourself of the truth. Read my book, Go Get Compared to Who. It's on Amazon. It's on ChristianBook.com. Read this book and decide that you've got to get free from this idol in order to live out the purpose God designed you for. God has a great plan for your life. And the truth is, unless his plan for you includes professional modeling or ballet dancing, your weight will likely not matter at all to him being able to accomplish that plan. Yes, of course, make good choices. Of course, take care of your body. But like we've talked about all throughout this podcast, order your life in such a way where your treasure is Jesus. And then, like scripture says in Mark 6.33, When you seek first the kingdom of God, then, then these things will be added to you. I really hope this helps you today. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll stay tuned for the next episode, where we're going to talk about the root of that fear of fat or the body image idol. 
which really, the root is fear. So stay tuned for that next episode. I can't wait to join you over there. Hey friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com 